0: Welcome to Osfilm Creatives, a podcast about Australian creatives working behind the camera. My name is Peter Sylvester and I'm your host. We have Harry Frith on our show, who's an Australian cinematographer working in LA. His work includes Island Hunters which is a travel show of sorts and uh, he's travelled around all across the globe uh, filming different islands and uh, lucky enough he came along with his crew to nearby islands where I lived and uh, I got to work on a little production assistant role on it and uh, that's where I met Harry. So he, uh, I was quite fascinated by his story and I really wanted to get him on the show. Majority of your work is television, but you also mm-hmm. do feature films. So, yeah, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, yeah, g'day from L.A.
0: <laughs> Excellent. How did you get into cinematography? I mean, I don't know much about your Australian history. Um, no. I, I really know what you've done, obviously, in, in L.A. and in, in America. So, yeah, just yeah. let us know a little bit about yourself as far as your early days of what made you become a cinematographer.
1: Well, I, um, I started off as a, um, a press photographer and uh, working for the Australian Tourism when I was a teenager um, in Noosa in Queensland, and it was like the, the perfect life. You'd take a few photos and uh, go surfing. I you know, wanted to be a film director. Um, I don't know why, because I love photography so much. Um, so I, um, I moved to Sydney and I ended up uh, working in on uh, various films you know like in the doing art department running and stuff like that and then I moved into uh, uh, clapper loading and then I moved into being a, a camera assistant stroke sound recorder you know for SBS news and um, I didn't know anything about it I was just told uh, plug the microphone in there press record and aim the mic at the action you know <laughs> and that was my training so I had to learn the rest for myself so lots of uh, lots of perspiration involved in the uh, in the early days of uh, not knowing what I was doing. Um, so, um, yeah, so basically I didn't go to college. I learned on the job and um, just bought all the American cinematographer books and, and got the American cinematographer magazine and uh, and um, educated myself, basically, and, and hung around filmmakers and actors, you know, that are all uh, rich and famous now. Um, you know, and uh, that, that was my education.
0: Nice. So mm. I guess – Obviously, you lo- you loved uh, taking photos. Is there something mm-hmm. really specific that you really enjoyed about uh, taking images and being a cinematographer? Like, why did you really hone it onto that specific role?
1: Well, early days, it was a, it was the fascination of like waiting for the film, you know, the, to be processed. Um, whether you're shooting film, um, you know, moving images or still images, it was the fascination that something would come out, and you'd, and you'd see the image and go, "Wow, that came out. That's great." <laughs> But now that you can see everything immediately, um, you can get a better idea of what you're, um, of what you're doing. And uh, it's really, and you can take more photos and cost less money and all that sort of thing. And uh, the main thing for me is, you know, like the framing, the composition um, is really important to me and the, the lighting and capturing things at the right time of day um, and you know, frame size, um, you know, rule of thirds. All that kind of thing is um is um, infinitely fascinating. I could just keep doing that for the rest of my life and never have to do anything else. It's just a yeah, it's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah, I mean that that's pretty similar to me as well. It's just always yeah. seeing something in a different way and how you could shoot it differently. And once you even get into the edit room, you look at it and you go, oh, actually, it'd be really cool to actually shoot it a different way. So yeah, I guess that's probably what drives me. But um,
1: yeah, and then you did a beautiful job on Ben Hall's lovely. No, thank you. Um, um, but, uh, um, you know, it's, it, you know, the, the the step forward from shooting photos, photos is like it's a lot of freedom because you're on your own, you're doing your own thing, you're your own boss and all that sort of thing, so you can just go and take, you know, stills of landscapes and people and whatever else, so you're a, autonomous. But um, when it comes to um, uh, film, you know, like you're uh, or, uh, shooting TV shows, um, it's a collaborative um, job um, and, that's, and that's really wonderful to work with people and have a great team. Um, and, uh, and also, um, you know, uh, the, the fascination of, uh, shooting to edit is, is great too. You know, like that's, that's something that will always be fascinating is, is, um, getting the shots, getting the coverage and then, um, and then taking it back to the edit room and, uh, and having people edit it and say, you know, it's seamless and, uh, you know, um, give me some more <laughs> hmm. basically, you know, so that's, that's a real sense of pride too that if you can. And if you can cut it all um, without a lot of, uh, you know, in camera as much as possible, um, I like that too so that it gives the editors less, um, you know, stuff to sift through, you know, and if they like your stuff and, and, and uh, you know, that's really great too. And so you give them enough but not too much.
0: That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the, it's a key thing like with, with cinematography, I think um, people forget that, you know, it is, it is a communication tool and and it's very powerful if you can really capture something within one frame, you know, a whole story. Um, you, know, and it's, you know, they say about photos, you know, a thousand words, but, you know, in, in with motion picture, even if you can capture a scene that happens in one take, it's, it's amazing. Like,
1: Yeah, five easy pieces is a good version of that, like that 360-degree that pan at the end of the film, mm. you know, and that goes for, like, minutes. Um, yeah, absolutely. People are starting to cotton on to uh, not editing so much. It's, it's, it's cheaper and it's more effective.
0: Yeah, early part of your career, was there something that got you, kicked you off? Was it just moving to LA or was there someone that assisted you or how, how did it get you going, I guess?
1: Well, um, I left school, um, went straight out of school, you know, went as a photographer, as I said, and then I, um, I wanted to get into the film business and I went and saw um, my rowing coach who was uh, in one of the head advertising people in Queensland and I thought he could help me and he just gave me a list of production companies (laughs) and said, see you later. (laughs) So so I sent out a hundred letters when I was in Queensland and uh, nothing happened there. And then I went to Sydney and sent another hundred letters and then somebody uh, gave me a job. And I got a job on the show called It's a Knockout, pulling cables. And uh, and I went from there. Wow. So it was just a matter of um, persistence and um, not knowing anybody. And then the same thing happened um, in L.A., uh, I think um, what pushed me along a little bit was um, was when I moved back to Queensland, and I started doing behind the scenes, you know, like for all these major films. And the, the last film that I did was The um, Thin Red Line, directed by Terrence Malick. And I thought that was a good jumping off point to go to L.A. from there, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, at least it's got name value. I was shooting behind the scenes and I was shooting a documentary for uh, George Stevens Jr. And, uh, um, yeah, so I thought that was a good jumping off point. So I came to L.A., and just started cold calling again, you know, and I, and I got a job. My first job was a, um, a, a behind-the-scenes of my favourite show when I was a kid called Combat with uh, Vic Morrow, and uh, obviously Vic wasn't there, but I got to interview all the cast, and, like, and, uh, and then my career went from there, started getting um, various TV jobs uh, from there, and, uh, and, and, and I've been really busy for like about 20 years now.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Uh, I guess talking about moving to L.A., was that a, pretty much just a choice because you, you felt that that was the place to get work or was it it's just it, things the way it happened?
1: Yeah, I just, I just think it's, you know, you know, I just wanted to be here and, and uh, you know, work on uh, big films and, and do all that kind of stuff because I was working um, in Queensland um, when I moved back to Queensland from Sydney. Um, the, the work was kind of seasonal. Um, for for films and I thought well if I came here I could work all year round and I could you know progress my way through the industry and uh, and with the, and and do films that people will actually you know be able to see, but it ended up that I um I did TV shows where millions of people would see the TV shows and then do um, indie films where thousands of people would see it. And that's about it. You do these beautiful films with beautiful images and uh, performances and. And, uh, you know, like you get a few people seeing them. The same as, you know, with Australia with the distribution, uh, which is, a, you know, a real issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you do these beautiful films and uh, nobody gets to see them, but you do a sort of, uh, you know, a TV show that's aspirational. Uh, millions of people go and watch it. Yeah, so it's, 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 it's a strange business in that way. It's, and it's really changed a lot too where it's gone from classic movies and classic uh, entertainment, you know, where you, Saturday night you go to the cinema it's like um, every day you can just watch garbage on TV. And so that's
0: interesting. Uh, I, I know a lot of Aussies do end up working in LA now. Obviously mm-hmm. actors, but that's a pretty pretty much a given. But as far as, yeah, a lot of DPs have moved there, camera operators. You know, yeah. it seems to be a, almost like a demand for them. Is, do you know, like, what, why they might be?
1: Well, um, first of all, you know, the reason why they usually move here is because they want their work to be seen, you know, and they see a ceiling. I remember... Doing a screenplay for Dean Semler, and you know he left Australia because it, you know as soon as he won an award, um, nobody wanted to hire him, and uh, and also um, there was just a ceiling there that just wasn't enough. You um, we weren't able to uh, progress beyond a certain level, and so that's why a lot of these guys come here. And um, there's there's a good example of what you're talking about with the uh, um, the demand for Australians. There's this um, Bloomhouse. You know, that does, that, uh, they did the film Get Out. You know, mm. a friend of mine, Toby Oliver, shot it. That particular company loves Australians because they work hard, you know, and they're and they're efficient, and they shoot beautiful images. You know, so they're like, uh, they're just a dream come true. And a lot of those films aren't don't have a huge budget, and these people bring it in and they bring it home. You know, um, and these hit films, you know, like, uh, and you know, that's that's the uh, that's what Aussies do here. You know, and they've got the enthusiasm. They're not sort of jaded by the by the industry. <laughs> they're enthusiastic and ready to go and do things, do it great. They yeah. have pride because they're Australian.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say about like the ceiling. Because I guess maybe that's why, you know, Aussie, especially Aussie DPs and, and camera crew and behind-the-scenes crew are such hardworking because that we're probably quite limited to what we can have access to here. And, yes. And I guess because of that, we really – Come up with in, ingenious ways to to make things work.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly, and it's you know, I mean, I, I mean, I remember Dean Semler saying, you know, that he was he was hired to come back to L.A. to set up a piece of cardboard spinning in front of the lens, you know, like that they couldn't figure out how to do it, you know, <laughs> you know, just to do a special effect. Yeah, yeah, we have to be innovative, and people are shocked, I and mean, like, and also here, everything's, you know, a lot, a lot of uh, shoots are um are very grip and gaff are heavy, you know, like, and, and, and I've worked on films and I'm like, no, I don't need that, I don't need that, I just need this, you know, and let's get it done and let's move on to the next one and uh, still do a great job, um, but you just don't need all the fanfare, you know, because like a lot of the time it's like bring in the lights, bring in the gear, just so the client thinks that you're, they're getting their money's worth, if you know what I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's all that kind of thing, the people are used to that, and in Australia we used to, okay, you've got one light, you know, <laughs> see what you can do. You know well <laughs> yeah. <Or> no lights
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, I, I yeah. Know all that
1: <laughs> yeah so and, and that's that's another thing too yeah absolutely you know we're definitely you know um, uh, trained to innovate you know like and uh, and come up with solutions you know adapt and overcome you know
0: so we'll move on to things you've worked on recent project that you enjoy doing and maybe talk a little bit about the the approach and working with other creatives and director and artists what what did you like about it what was some of the challenges
1: well i think i'll double up with the uh the reality um it was a reality show you know it's just chewing gum basically you know like and uh you know people you know the show that you um, worked on for a second i'm in australia um i did it five years on that um which you know limited my show reel for sure but uh I got to percolate. What I what I loved about that job was that it's not a beautiful film. It's not. Um, it's not going to. People aren't going to um, have a catharsis, you know, during watching the show on HGTV. Mm. But um, but I got to um percolate it down and uh, and streamline everything, and uh, and shoot the show really quickly. They started shooting the show, they'd twelve to twenty hours a day, and I got it down to five hours a day. Mm. And um, we got everything, and we got and, and, and made it easier for the editor as well. And um, still shot you know beautiful footage and um, and got the information. And uh, I really loved um, sort of coming into that show. You know, like uh, they'd shot two episodes, and then I came in after that, and I just sort of cleaned it up and made it uh, and made it efficient and still look great. I really love that aspect of streamlining things, uh, yet still getting you know the the best quality you can possibly get.
0: Yeah, you know, how did you manage to cut it down? What what were some of the I guess inefficiencies you found that was happening?
1: And just taking too long, you know, with uh, with setups and um, and scenes, and um, and not sort of pushing things along, um, is the main thing. And then having a system as well, you know, like uh, basically I had one light panel, um, one by one bicolor color light light panel, and a four by four silk and a six by six silk, and that was my lighting setup. Mm. And I would set that up quickly and efficiently, and um, and then get it done. No one was ever waiting for us. Ever, we were always waiting for the cast, and that's you know that's pretty much you know the, the way I roll anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was just it was about having a plan, pushing it through, or if you don't have a plan, you know, come up with one straight away and get it done quickly, and you know figure out where you're going to shoot, you know, and and what's going to happen on the spot a lot of the time too. And uh, people take their time with that stuff; they don't make the decisions quickly, and you have to on these shows, especially that show. You know, there could be a hurricane coming and you've got to get it done in an hour, not five hours, you know, and, uh, and we would do, we would manage to do that. And I, I think a big part of it is just um, being able to innovate on the spot to be able to actually come up with stuff that's good um, immediately and not sort of um and ah about stuff. Mm. Yeah, that's, that, 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 that's very time-consuming.
0: Yeah, that's definitely, you know, it's like when you work with directors and, and – some of them, are, you know, like to fill the scene, but, yeah, yeah sometimes you, you, you have to help them, prod them a little bit along because you're just like, uh, that's nice, Yeah, <laughs> we don't have time to fill the scene. Let's yeah, when, just get shooting.
1: Yeah, the last last um, film I worked on, Addicted, which, you know, had all this great crew, great, great gear and all that sort of stuff, and it was fantastic, but it was a um, first-time director um, on that shoot, so I um, came up with a system um, for him. Is that uh, I'd have him, I you know, like I suggested, he'd work with the actors and, and the dialogue and the and, and the information you know that's going to happen, and suggest that he uh just let them walk into the scene, find their places, and uh, and and if it worked, um, put the marks down after that, and just do a lot of the blocking out for him, you know, which which really helped him a lot. He didn't have to think about the shots, mm. you know, because he trusted me, and so he just had to think about the performances. And uh, and I took care of the coverage and the and the blocking you know, and uh, and so we got things done very quickly. We you know we shot that um, very quickly and it was it looked good.
0: Talking about that that trust as well, like when you're working with other crew, have you have you had instances where it was a struggle where they they didn't have enough trust in you or vice versa, even?
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. And um, there's been you yeah, know times where. You know, there has been a bit of butting heads because I, I've got a very strong sort of visual sense of things and I pretty much know where the shot is, you know, and uh, and when people start sort of not trusting you, it sort of messes with your radar a bit, I guess, mm. you know, and so you have to start thinking, you know, what are they, why do they want that, you know, what's going on here, What <laughs> that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, if I can spot a shot straight away, the best shot, um, you know, because that's my job, um, then... Uh, you know, you you tend to want to go with that more often than not. And if there's good reason not to go with it, then I'm um, I'm open, you know, to to um, any suggestions. Yeah. But um, you know, like it's also it's not just the, the, the director trusting the DP; it's the DP trusting the director and his vision. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that's it's a two-way street for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and obviously, I think if in pre-production, if you really sort that that vision out, it's it's you know. Pretty easy to to get on the shoot on a day.
1: Yeah, if you have pre-production, yeah. You know, like uh, like, uh, like, uh, I've had films where you don't get a storyboard, you don't get a script until the day off. So you're actually improvising on the spot. Wow. And, uh, you know, and maybe some location scouting, you know, like and, uh, you know, but yeah, pre-production, yeah, nice luxury.
0: (laughs) Wow. So uh, touching on uh, reality TV – You've obviously would have experienced um, some of the really good things and bad things that happen as far as creatively. So you can easily compare because you've also shot a narrative is is some comparison of what's a really good thing about shooting uh, reality TV but also versus, you know, shooting a narrative and also some of the bad
1: things as well. Yeah, well, the early days, you know, like I shot in the early days of reality, you know, back in the early 2000, you know, like 98, I guess through people, a lot of the time the producers would be scared by um, executive producer or showrunner or whatever, and they just shoot everything. Mm. And he knew that it wasn't relevant, you know. And um, that would drive me crazy, especially coming from an economical background of you know, like of shooting on, you know, a film, getting everything, you know, like uh, in the in the can, you know, in one four hundred foot roll. And these people are rolling for like eighteen hours a day, you know, like on nothing, mm. and uh, that would drive me crazy. Yeah, so the good things is when when you get when you get a system going, it becomes more like a um like a documentary, and um and it becomes enjoyable because you know like with reality and documentaries they move quickly, and so it becomes more like an athletic event, and uh, and then at the end of the day you're like oh yes I did it you know like and I'm really my body's aching and uh, but we did it you know and uh, and then a lot of time on a film you can just be sitting around all the time and that drives me crazy you know. Um, so I love the luxury of, of being able to plan on a film and to be able to, you know, um, take your time and do all that sort of stuff, and that's great. But I also love the hustle, you know, like when you're doing, you know, a, a reality or documentaries. It's, it's, a, it's an adrenaline boost.
0: Myself is also a bit of background in events and, and shooting sort of mini-docos. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, that's part of it. Like, I, for me... It was almost also also a really good training ground, or keeping me really sharp because I had to yeah. nail shots in one, you know one take basically. So I think that's the positives I really see in, in shooting those kind of things is that you you start getting more sharper and really seeing shots much quicker. Then absolutely, yeah. You know, like I've I've got onto film shoots, um, and then it's like bang bang, and they're like oh, but but you know so yeah, then no, that's the shot. <laughs> so <laughs> it is good, well but. Done. But on the other hand, yeah, I totally agree with you that having to have that beautiful luxury of planning the lighting and and the blocking and, and everything and really nailing an interesting shot but then again that's yeah. why that's why you watch narrative work because it's not just normal straight up life it's it's uh, it's a creative process so yeah yeah
1: yeah and uh, you know like uh, and it's just the simple things for me is like uh, you know, just finding a beautiful shot. Just like when you're taking photos when you're on holidays almost, you know. You search for the shot, you know, when you're shooting a doco or, you know, sometimes in reality. And um, and, and also, you know, like you're pulling your own focus as well. So I've done a couple of indie films, you know, like uh, um, where I did all the focus myself because they wouldn't pay for a proper focus puller. So it's like I just did it myself. And, um, yeah, and, uh, um, and, and it was... Sharp all the time, you know. And people are surprised, but mm. um, but it is a real luxury to have like a great focus puller because then you can concentrate on, you know, everything else a lot more. And uh, yeah, I, I do. I do a great focus puller. You know, is is uh, is the difference between you know, huge difference.
0: Oh yeah, it's huge. <laughs> I, yeah, I'd, I'd worked on a, a web series last year, and that that similar thing happened. I was camera B uh, slash second unit, and yeah, no focus puller. So. I mean, good thing is that the DP he was he was you know he knew what he was doing, but um, yeah, and all the lightings and everything set up, so it's all good. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's good and bad. But you know they they were quite happy that you know the outcomes because I I had a SLR lens, a zoom lens, so oh, okay. you know <laughs> focus pulling so on the- that is not very accurate. <laughs> no. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things But you know, if you can nail that. But that's that's because of the practice I've had, the background of,
1: you yeah, know, documentaries. And, and also, you know, like working in, you know, on um, Super 16 and stuff like that. I mean, it was, you know, being young and doing that, it was frightening, you know, because you really weren't sure, exactly sure whether it was going to be okay. <laughs> like this. Mm. I, just remember, I just remember zooming in a lot and getting checking focus. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean a, it's uh, yeah. it, it, in film. I, I feel that in film schools they need to do that. They should really. I mean, they do some of them, but they literally teach kids to shoot on film. I mean, I I, I was lucky enough to still grow up and and learn to shoot on film. So I got to shoot on sixteen thirty five, super eight, um, and you know, in black uh, dark room, you know photography. So I learned the whole process um, and had the chance to still learn that and and having that. Really helps you to be a lot more instinctual as well, rather than just always looking at the screen and
1: focusing. Absolutely, yeah, it's so different. Mm. I mean, you know, it's just—I mean, I, I guess some of my favorite times were just having a 16SR2 on my shoulder, you know, like with a wooden handle, and just uh, shooting and hearing the film go through the uh, through the camera. And just—it's uh, just one of those things that I just—I you know, just, I just love.
0: Yeah, and the images you get from them, it's still, like, that, you know, there's a the typical debate of digital versus film. And for me it's not at all a versus thing because, you know, the, um, the amount of flexibility you get in digital is amazing. And, yes. And, and, it, and it's a predictable image you could get, but on the other hand, film mm. you get a very unique look that you can pick and, and it's pretty much burnt in on the shoot. Yes. So, so you have to decide as a DP, as a creative, you have, mm-hmm. I guess, a lot more control in how the image comes out at the end of the day. So, and and just the type of look you get from film is, is you know, it's a, it's a chemical process, not a digital one, so it, it behaves differently. Which is, you know, so if you can do a project and it's appropriate for it, you know, I'm I'm all for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like, but and, and as you said, you know, that is um, there's a lot more autonomy. You know, like when you know people like. You know, like the old guys, you know Haskell Wexler and all those guys. You know, like they uh, they used to uh, they used to lock in a look. You know, they'd underexpose, you know, across the blacks, and that was it. You know, and uh, Owen Wiseman, yeah, yeah, and uh, the Prince of Darkness. You know, like, mm. uh, you know, these people used to lock in a look, and then it would drive the executives crazy. Um, but you know, it's once again, I, I guess it comes down to trust um, with you and the director. You know, that he's not going to like uh, change. Your vision, but um, um, assuming that your vision is good.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course.
1: You
0: know? Yeah, so you got that trust is built based on on the professionalism of understanding and, and previous work. So, you know. Yeah,
1: and and the you know like and it's it's collaboration. You know, if you're going to work with a director, then you've both decided to collaborate. You know, and so uh, that's that's in the in the perfect world anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just occasionally you do get it, which is great. Well, so, yeah. yeah. I guess uh, talking about you, you you have your approaches with, with um, building a system. So I guess the big part of it is, is obviously communication. So I guess how, how do you try to approach to make sure that you communicate, you know, especially if you're going to change up things a bit and make it work? Is it, is it more of a, just a discussion or, or do you really put it down on paper for them to really see?
1: Yeah, I do, I do a bit of the paper thing, but all the time I'll just, um, you know, get out the iPhone and get the uh, Greg Tolham, um app and just say, you know, like, take a picture and say, that's what I'm thinking. And that usually gets through them, you know, like, uh, rather than trying to explain it. It's, you know, like, pictures actually work really well mm. um with um, uh, the people that I've worked with, and um, they'll say, oh, yeah, that looks great. Yeah, I'm like that. That works for me, um, rather than going through the explanation. But I, I have used... Uh, um, storyboard software um, in the past. Um, you know, there's that animated storyboard software. Uh, um, it's called one, Frameforge.
0: It? I use Frameforge. Frameforge, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the one I use. Yeah. I mean Do I've you use that? Yes, uh, I've moved on I've started using that and it's really good for basics like storyboarding, especially with directors. Uh, you know it gives you a pretty good yeah. flexibility uh, but I also now have moved on to the Unreal Engine because I actually want to try and pre-visualize the actual lighting, and that's right. that has amazing like real-time lighting. Because the problem with 3D programs is you have to render the image, and you'll sit yeah. there for two minutes waiting for it, and then you're like, oh, okay, that's not good." But with the, with the real-time Unreal Engine, it's amazing. They just it's going crazy. Like in the next year, you'll be able to do uh, pretty much real-time ray tracing, which means as far as lighting you can really achieve very, very close to real type of lighting, like whether you're doing soft lighting or hard lighting or anything like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of pre-visualizing the look as well yeah. because, as you said, pictures tell, tell the, 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 your director or the producers a lot quicker if I send them a, a properly rendered image, even if yeah. we don't have the set because the set's got to be built or the location or whatever, they can kind of see this is the lighting we're going for. So yeah, but FrameForge yeah. is really good as well. Even that, you can get some basic lighting um, communication. Yeah, you got
1: lights there, and, and you got uh, you know like you can um, dial in what time of the year or what year, yep. and it'll show you where the sun is. Mm. And that's really that's really helpful. It's kind of you know it dumbs down the uh, it gives you a bit of a you know um, an easier road to uh, figuring out where the sun's going to be in, in like twenty twenty yeah. and uh, August twenty twenty. Yeah. Which which I th- I think's really Pretty, pretty clever, but you know it, it could be better. Um, the okay. the software, um, certain things, but yeah, yeah, it's really handy just to, just for yourself to be able to burn in the ideas and, and then i um, show it to the director and say, hey, look, what do you think? And they usually, oh wow, okay, that's what you're talking about. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Well, the uh, next next feature that I'm um, I'm working on that the director and I are sort of sitting down and trying to pretty much work it out and frame forge his storyboard because he he draws them. <laughs> right. Individually, yeah. and it's insane to do that. But I mean, it's very good. Like, he's, yeah, he's he could do a comic book, you know, like a graphic book if he wanted to, really. Um oh, But nice. but it still takes him time. And I said, oh, we can do it this way, and it's a lot quicker. And you know, you can put you can put in custom costumes if you know what you're doing. If you use SketchUp, for example, like um, uh, the Google SketchUp, which is a free program, you know, you can design some of the uh, if it's like a models or costumes that you want to put on, you can kinda of do it. Um, so there's, you know, a lot of a lot of ways you can actually come up with stuff. But And have,
1: also, yeah, Google SketchUp it has some, you know, so they will have Google maps on there so you can actually if you're gonna shoot a certain you know building in a certain part of the world, you know, it will show you where the sun's gonna be at a certain time of day and all that sort of and, and then you'll actually see literally the building and yeah. the area and what's around, which is fantastic. And you can
0: include that in your
1: storyboard.
0: Yeah, which is uh, amazing. Yeah, and th- these are the things that you know we talk about the the digital world. Like today, I think filmmakers don't have too much excuse in, in really getting to know their shots because um, you have so many wonderful tools now that you can. You, you, back in the old days, you either had to do a recce, if and if the budget didn't allow it, you just had to rock up and hope. Okay, well it's a midday sun. Well it's going to be around there, <laughs> but that's about it. You know. Um, yeah. So it's pretty amazing these days. You get a lot of luxury in a way, which is good and a bad thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, it's it's sometimes it's good to, you know, to ride the whirlwind, you know, um, and then other times it's, it's good to turn up and know where everything's going to be and what you're doing. It kind of helps a little bit. <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs> Talking about technology impact, as far as you know, some of the obviously the typical cameras, your Reds and your Ari. Alexis and things but I, I guess um what do you see as far as challenges with so much technology hitting uh, Filmmakers and ov- obviously the expectation that comes from the producers and the showrunners and things like that because of the technology yeah, um, impact
1: Yeah generally they have like a standard camera you know like that they use and I think the FS7 and the F55 are like pretty Standard you know like for broadcast at the moment. I'm here anyway, and um but, uh, you know, like I, I, I sort of put, all, put it all in reverse and, uh, and go back to basics of what it's all about. And it hasn't changed. It's just like you're being sort of bamboozled by all this technology. You still have to have the same thing. You still have to have an exposure, focus, you know, and, and, and what you're capturing the image on, you know, 4K, you know. And so if you know all the details of all of that, which you, usually the company gives you the details of what format you're going to be shooting in and all that kind of stuff, and then you've got an AC that's going to you know, like uh, go through all of that as well. Um, but I just think that um, you know, if you stick to the basics, it really helps a lot because at least you've got foundation, you know, for uh, for all the craziness. And I talked to the head of uh, Sony at um, at uh, at NAB, and he agreed. He said, "Yeah, nothing's really changed. It's just like uh, you know, just the, the technology and the image capturing is uh, is the is the uh, is the main difference." and uh and people are just when i was in nab it was all about you know like um speed it was like a it was almost like a a computer uh sort of uh, um conference you know it was all about the speed and you know the amount of data you know that you can capture you know like in this particular device and, and all that kind of thing so it seemed to be more about that than it was about you know like innovating um with cameras to me and you know, like uh but as far as all that's concerned it's, it's kind of scary you know, the, the business at the moment because you know I, I'm sort of pretty old school as you can tell you know, but uh, um, things are changing you know like you're going to 4d and and uh, um, virtual reality and all that kind of stuff I mean things are just um, things are going get um, very technical in, in a couple of years I think. it's going to go beyond just in you know, like uh, getting a new fancy camera it's going to be more about you know how we're going to see things you know, how we're gonna view things and, and how you're gonna acquire that for people to view that a certain way, you know? Mm. Um, that's and that's I, I, I love the um I love the old fashioned industry, you know, like and you know, like I watch a lot of old films all the time. Um, and uh, so it's kind of you know, we all have to man up and uh, and move forward and see what uh, see what see what the business has to offer us next.
0: Well, on one side, like you said, it, the the old films, it's it's just about great pictures, great script, great performance, great sound, um, and that's all it comes down to, you know. Obviously, the execution of it, but um, you know, it you know the three D thing kicked in, didn't really work. Like Avatar really came in strong, and but that was purely made for that reason. It was it was a film that was designed. Uh, you know, the story was pretty simple. Um, and it, it was designed for you to experience a 3D film. Uh, but after that, it's there was maybe one or two films that were still kind of pushing the boundaries of 3D, but the rest of them, like I stopped watching 3D because it's it's not, it's not not nowhere near where it, it could be or maybe it should be, but the experience of watching a 3D film is still pretty, I don't know, it, seems, it still seems archaic still a little bit to me. Yeah.
1: Well, they were doing a lot of the... 3D in post, yeah, which which really was cheap and nasty, and that happened very quickly. Mm. They figured out that it was cheaper, um, you know. So uh, yeah, so that I guess that ruined that movement. Yeah, and it did go away, and people's eyes were hurting, and you know, it's like yeah. And I, yeah, know, so. I know
0: James Cameron at the moment is trying to develop a non-glasses 3D screens uh, setup, and you know, that'd be amazing if that kicks in, but. I think the capturing of 3D is still a little bit long way from the experience of, a, of the real 3D that as a person has because yeah. you have a brain in, in there as well, not just two two lenses, but your brain actually does a lot of other processing visually that you don't, I guess, see just by putting two lenses to, next to each other, making sure that yeah. everything is all matching. but um, So I guess that part of it. And, and VR, I, I think, is going to have its own unique niche thing, as far as experiencing films, it's 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 definitely going to be a huge challenge trying to create films in 3D, if, if that's where, the, I mean, in the VR, um, you know, like I've talked to a few VR guys, and definitely it's going to be a different form of narrative, I guess, is what I'm seeing, uh, and yeah. not the same kind of narrative that, that films are giving us, and you know, at the end of the day, the good example is, you know, Netflix, there's tons of tons of shows and everything that's on there. So I think that format of storytelling is still going to be a long, you know, it's going to stick around for a very, very long time. If, you know, it's like yeah. photos, people still take photos. So, yeah. you know, it's that kind of thing. So I, I don't know, like, yeah, it's it's really bizarre for me because I'm, I guess I'm in between that, um, you know, a little bit of the old school, but I'm, I'm experiencing, I'm a huge supporter of the, the, technology changes and and giving me, you know, an easier way to acquire good images. But on the other hand, it's, yeah, like you said, I think just knowing that back to basics is the key thing.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. You know, like that's, I think, hopefully everybody will still go to films or watch them on, you know, Netflix for, for narrative and pictures and sound and performance and stuff like that. I mean, that's still got to exist. And I do, I do love, uh, you know, like all the Netflix and Amazon and, you know, Hulu and all these people that are, you know, it's a very creative platform, you know, compared to, uh, you know, the studios dying out, you know, like largely because, you know, like I think the big reason is because it became a financial thing rather than a creative uh, business because the old executives back in the day used to be a creative part of the filmmaking. And now the executives at this big studios are just accountants, you know, that, that punch numbers. And so Netflix and, and all those outlets are on giving an opportunity for uh, good filmmakers and creative people to do their thing.
0: They seem to be greenlighting every every piece of work that comes towards them, which is great. I mean, it's like old old school Hollywood almost. Uh, it's pretty cool. But and that and that's what I think as well. Like I was talking to you know directed locally about getting distribution and and all those kind of things. And that's one thing that. Um, as long as Netflix, you know, approves of the project that you you give them, um, you know, at the end of the day, you don't have to worry about that anymore. Like as a filmmaker, you get to make a film, it gets put on Netflix, and that's it. You don't have to worry about box office and get, you know, yes, maybe you don't get to see it on the big screen, but on the other hand, you really do get to get your work out there. Um, yeah. So I think it's it's an it's a really interesting time for if as long as people s- stop, I guess. Uh, you know, poo-pooing uh, Netflix and saying, oh, they shouldn't be allowed to be in the Oscars and all this stuff, um, yeah. because, because I think it's actually a really good outlet for new creatives and, and new interesting stories. Whether they're successful or not, it doesn't matter, but it's unique and different, that a lot of programs on there that are experimenting, I guess.
1: Yeah, and, and people get to see, you know, people get to see your product.
0: Mm.
1: You know, because I think, and I hate to say this, and, it, and it's very upsetting, but... Mm you know, people are really not going to the theater anymore as much. And, uh, um, and so if you put it on the telly, you know, like then, uh, then someone might see it.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah cause see
1: it. You'll be at home.
0: So going from, I guess, something that, that has, uh, maybe stuck with you your whole life as a cinematographer, uh, is there a piece of advice or gear that, that you've had with you or you followed?
1: And this is going to sound uh, crazy, but, uh, it's basically my, um, my Leatherman and, my, and and the Leatherman you know, like um, tools that go with that, that go on my belt every day that I go to work. And then there's my Croziol follow focus that I bring with me. And, uh, and it's got a crank on it. And so when I'm shooting documentaries, I use that crank. I, I gauge the time of day on it, like 12 o'clock, and then I pull focus to 3 o'clock and then back to 6 o'clock and then back to 3 and then back to 12. And, um, and so I'm usually able to get pretty good focus on that and uh, I'm familiar with it and, um, you know, I'll take it on just about everything. You know, and, uh, yeah, and it's pretty important. Focus is fairly important, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You can't really fix that in post. <laughs> so <that's>, people try.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, so me. you know, so people, are, you know, that's, so that, that was my technique when I had first had to do a film without a focus puller. I, um, I, I employed that technique of, um, of remembering the time of day Um, on the uh um, with the crank that's cool and uh and it works it works it was pretty pretty good
0: yeah there you go so yeah it's interesting um, everyone has something uh so i guess uh, where do you where do you like to see uh yourself be doing what kind of projects or or something you'd like to achieve as, as a as a filmmaker as a cinematographer
1: well you know like uh Crazy fantasy of you know, like making a couple of films in Australia, you know, like a couple of indie films, or at least one. I really want to, you know, no matter what happens with it, I really want to go back and and enjoy, you know, life and um and and uh and make, you know, indie a couple of indie films in Australia, and then you know go back and forth, you Narnik, know, like, or or just stay there and make indie films. I'd I'd, I'd love that. Mm. Do the odd commercial and stuff like that. it would just be uh, just be just be the life. You know, You've got enough money to pay the rent. And, it's all that matters you know
0: yeah yeah and is the reason you want to come back is it because um it's you feel more connected or wh- wh- why is the reason that you're
1: yeah i think you know like obviously yeah more connected and i i belong there and uh you know I'm, i've been here for 20 years so i kind of belong here too um but I just it's just that fantasy of shooting outdoors and the beautiful landscapes there and, and uh and being with uh, you know good old Aussies and, and uh, you know enjoying the uh, great lifestyle there, and then just come back and do like an India here or you know like a film here or whatever, um, and that would be that'll be the, the perfect uh, existence, <laughs> I think. But the only problem is that when you go to Australia, it's really hard to come back to here yeah. because it's so beautiful there, and you're like, well, why would I want to go back to all that, you know? Mm. But it's it's got you know like not to bag on LA, but it's got a really great vibe here. There's lots of great people here. Anything can happen. Lots of great things have happened for me here, and, and opportunity is always around the corner, you know. So, um, so it's it's good for that, and you know, there's, you know, the oceans nearby, and you know, the national parks, and so it's a beautiful, it can be a beautiful place, and it's got a lot of great energy. So, so I do like it for that.
0: That's what I'm getting the vibe from a few, you know, Aussie filmmakers that there's something that they do love about Australia, which is so different to America. So it's not better or worse. It's just that you get to Experience and in a way, maybe refresh your passion as well. Let's say, maybe, yeah,
1: yeah, change your angle of view. And you know, like, and uh, you know, I'd be proud, proud to be Aussie, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and make a, make a great film and go, Hey, look, I made a great film, somebody watch it.
0: <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> and, and talking about a great film, do you have a favorite film that that you love going back to and what what, what makes it so great?
1: You know, it's that's a really hard question, but there's a there's a certain poetry about the deer hunter, you know, um, where it actually, it's a long film, mm-hmm. but you're always entertained and you're always in the moment and it uh, and it—it tra- it goes, you know, like it's three different films in one basically. It's very cleverly done. It, uh, it um, establishes the characters, you know, and shows you who they are and their family and the wedding and all that sort of stuff and, and then they go to war and then there's a consequence and like you say, you know, and then, uh, and then there's the, the post-war, um, you know, act, halfway through act two into act three, you know, like, and, uh, and so, you know, you feel like you, you're a part of it, the, the way that that film was made. Um, I think it was, and it was beautifully shot and, uh, yeah, so, I don't know, it's, it's just, I th- you know, that, that might be the one, you know, there's Lawrence of Arabia, Apocalypse now, mm. and there's all the other films, you know, but, uh. And I guess they're
0: all old films. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, they they stick in your mind. I mean, I, I never got to see, you know, Lawrence of Arabia until later, which is lucky because I got to see it, like, in its glory of Blu-ray and high-quality, you know, copy of it. Yeah, and, and you know, like print. I only – so that was only maybe – oh, jeez, I think I might have seen it whenever it was, 10 years ago – so I'd never seen the film. Everyone says, "Oh, you go see it," and and it's amazing because I, I my sensibility is obviously a lot more modern films, but like that one, just it's still an amazing piece of film. Like you just oh. go, "Wow!" Like just such yeah, everything was so good about it, as far as very poignant storytelling and and just some really really clever visual, um, you know, editing and 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 also the the direction obviously was great too, but. Uh, you know, so those old films, definitely, and Deer Hunter, yeah, that's it's like a, it's f- funny because it's such a small story in a way, but it's also a really epic story. So
1: yeah, yeah, with all, yeah, so uh, yeah, it's they um, there's lots of things I got to say about that, but uh, but the one thing is that like the first time I went to Panavision just down the road from where I live, you know, the camera's the size of a small refrigerator, you know, and they were using that, dragging that through the desert, getting all these great shots, you know, like you know, um, incredible. You know, inc- incredible, um what they did with that giant camera. You know, like they're shooting on film, they're shooting on in like uh, sixty-five, you know, seventy millimeter, mm. and uh, yeah, just just phenomenal uh, uh, filmmaking, and to be able to do that, um, yeah, it's, it's, it was a real challenge. Mm. Um, and then it was the right, it was the right format for that as well to capture, because there was lots of distant shots of, um, you know, like uh, people. Riding on camels and all that sort of stuff, and um and so it was the right resolution and the right frame size, you know, to be able for, for people to be able to see, um, you know, um, what was going on in the distance.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because
1: the Arab the Arabs, Arabs used to be able to see, you know, like uh, way into the distance and uh, stuff that you couldn't see. Anyway, so it was it was amazing, amazing film. That you know, was, yeah,
0: yeah. So you know, and and you look at you know modern films and uh, uh it's 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 sometimes. Yeah, You just go, well, they would be able to achieve that with, like you said, big, big cameras and, you know, and it's great that you have modern filmmakers like Christopher Nolan who who really want to stick to shooting big format and film yeah. and and still trying to get as much in camera as possible because yeah. at the end of the day there's always, I, I still feel there's always just that slight disconnect. As, as beautiful as the CGI guys do everything, it's just never. You can just feel it. It's not not exactly right. Um, so yeah. I think that's the key thing about some of these old films and and telling. Well,
1: you know, well being a being a filmmaker, you'd know that you'd spot that right away. Mm. Um, the funny thing is that you know, like a lot of the kids these days, in you know, like uh, the next generation, um, they are used to it. Mm. And I and so I'm I'm a big believer in live action effects, as I'm sure you are too. Um, you know, and when you have live action effects, you know people. You no, know, younger people these days, and even people my age, I guess they don't know what is that, you know. And so it's actually eye-catching and uh, and kind of interesting. Mm. Um, but also live-action effects, I, I really love that a lot more. It's, it's, it's um, you're in the moment, you know. And it's yeah, uh, you know, like the old Thunderbirds TV shows, you know, like in the James old James Bond films with the miniatures and stuff like that. I just love that. I mm. get enough of that.
0: yeah I mean and especially action movies like um, the most recent Mission Impossible you know that 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 just blew me away because it's they really did as much as they could and you can just feel it like when you're there with the cameras just rolling and on real things that are occurring at at that high speed and you know on the helicopter and things like that it's just you can't beat that
1: yeah you know like a piece of debris hitting the camera you know Mm -hmm. like during the explosion scene you know like that's I mean, you know, as long as there's nobody behind the camera, you know, there's a <laughs> that kind of you know little random things that happen when you do live action effects. CGI people can actually create all that stuff too. You know, like they, I'm sure they're aware of all of that too. Mm. Um, you know, but uh, but I just that's 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 the beauty of like uh, the it's more organic, you know, and uh, you know, open to lots of possibilities.
0: You know, there there is a, the level of suspense of disbelief. So if the CG guys achieve that, great. You know. I'm all for yeah. it. So it's just as a cinematographer, I, if you can see that in, in the camera and you've put it in a can, it's it's the best feeling.
1: It is absolutely. Yeah, yeah you got it all all done in one. Yeah, yeah. yeah the old days of Fellini and his uh, mm. you know, sets and and things that he used to the way he used to do things. You know, he'd actually make things not look realistic on purpose. Mm. You know, like and. Uh, and uh, that was great, and I love the old back projection and the Hitchcock films and all this sort of stuff. I love that stuff. It's so great. <laughs> it's like yeah. Rear projection. Yeah. Rear projection,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. A- well, Aliens is my favourite film as far as a film yeah. I'll watch a million times, but lots of mm-hmm. rear projection
1: in that. Probably the other favourite is uh, With Nail and I. Have you seen that? No,
0: I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah,
1: it's um, Richard E. Grant is in that.
0: Okay, I'll check it. You'll out.
1: love that so much. There's, there's two starving actors that like uh, sell their... Sell themselves, sort of, to go and stay at their uncle's uh, place out in the country in Britain. Oh wow! Um, it's it's yeah, uh, you know, you'd love it. It's hilarious. And it's a beautiful film. It's it's one of my favorites. It's just, it's from the hip, you know, like in it's kind of, you know, semi-doco style film, but it's it was made, you know, like about 20 years ago. But yeah, you've got to check it out. Richard E. Grant with Neil and I.
0: Excellent. Well, there you go. Recommendation. That's good. I like that. Well, that's the thing. You watch so many movies and then someone just goes, oh, have you seen that? And then you're like, wow, that's amazing. How could I have not seen that? But there's just a lot of films, you know, so. I know,
1: I know. I watch too many. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, you know, it's a good thing. That means we still love it,
1: you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, it's beautiful. That's been a really
0: good chat. It's really wonderful to, you know, talk to you about Especially, you know, working abroad, it's interesting that Aussies are doing so well and it's just good to hear that, you know. You're just another one that's able to make a good living there. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, it's inspiring for me as well and hopefully people listening um, to go out there and
1: keep making films and just learn the art. Another positive thing about here is that, like, people are really positive. You know, like, and they're, like, good for you. Like, you know, like, uh, and they're very encouraging here, um, and that's great. And I didn't see as much of that, you know, back home, you know, with a bit of the tall poppy syndrome, which um, I don't know how much that exists anymore. But um, but I, I definitely there was a very positive reception from people, and, and and everybody's just 99% of people have been really nice and really welcoming, you know, to the little Aussie in Queensland. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, 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 they they like Aussies here, so come on over.
0: Yeah. But don't yeah. stay
1: for too long because it's, it's too beautiful where you live.
0: I know. <laughs> Thanks very much for coming on the show and uh, all the best in your future work. Thanks, mate. That was Harry Frith with us. And next episode, got a veteran of the industry, Anna Howard ACS. So make sure to join us and, uh, yeah, make sure you hit the subscribe buttons and uh, listen out in a couple of weeks.